Amen. Thank you, Portia. Thank you for your sweet spirit and your willingness to serve this weekend in our outreach to the city. Thank you for helping lead us in worship this morning. Thank you, Zadok, for your ministry among us this weekend. Yesterday was powerful, and the word of encouragement was powerful today, and we praise the Lord uh, just for how he's gifted you and your faithfulness in using those gifts for the glory of our King Jesus. Uh, Yesterday was one of my favorite outreaches that we've ever done at Bull Street. Uh, The participation by our congregation, uh, the joy of our city in coming and receiving the backpacks and receiving the gospel, uh, seeing those uh, volunteering and serving behind the scenes. It really was a glorious effort uh, and much was made of Jesus Christ in the community. And we praise the Lord for that. Thank you, Zion, for your leadership. Uh, It was it didn't happen by itself. And we praise the Lord for your leadership. Thank you, brother. If you would please open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. We're in chapter 9, verses 10 to 17. Luke chapter 9, verses 10 to 17. And would you stand please for the reading of God's Word. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord. We thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for how we can know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that we can believe based upon the facts 
revealed to us in your holy word. So Lord, I pray that you would take your word and plant it deep in our hearts, that you would produce a glorious harvest of righteousness for your glory. So have your way among us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, this past year, while everyone was adjusting to pandemic and not being in sanctuaries and preaching through live stream and Facebook Live and all kinds of means like that, there was a sermon that went around uh, Facebook. It was a local church, and it was a, a mainline, more liberal church. I don't mean liberal in politics. I mean liberal in theology. And this sermon was based upon John chapter 6. It was the feeding of the 5,000, the same account that we have right here in Luke. This is the only miracle of Jesus that is recorded in all four Gospels. And this sermon that was preached was from the Gospel of John. And the pastor began to tell how the people were greedy and keeping everything they had to themselves, but there was a little boy who had his lunch with him that his mom had packed, and he brought it, and he shared it with the disciples, and that sharing inspired everybody there to reach into their pouches and bring out their lunches, and it multiplied and multiplied and multiplied until they had enough for everyone and there was something left over. And the message was, we just need to share, and God will take that and multiply it for the world. Now, other than me getting sick to my stomach and hearing that, because that is not at all what this text is about, and that is not at all what the account in John is about, or Matthew, or Luke, or Mark, this is a miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ, revealing His deity, revealing His power and His glory. See, liberal theology tries to explain away the miracles of Jesus in order to make the Bible more palatable to modern and, quote, enlightened people. And yet it strips Jesus of his power, his glory, and his preeminence as king and lord. It presents a completely different gospel that is man-centered and powerless to save. Jesus multiplied the bread and fed the 5,000 men. We learn from the other gospels that there were women and children there. Most theologians think that it could be upwards of 20,000 people in the crowd that this little little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. Jesus multiplied and satisfied the crowds 
And there was 12 baskets full left over. In Psalm 132, the psalmist says this. Psalm 132, verses 13 to 17. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. See, Jesus is preaching the kingdom of God to the crowds. And when he is preaching the kingdom of God, he's preaching the saving promises of God being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. All of the saving promises of God, all of the promises in the prophets of restoration, of salvation, that's the preaching of the kingdom of God, the salvation that has come in Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 to 3 Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love for David. See, this promise of the Davidic king coming, the Messiah who was going to come and bring salvation to Israel. The promises of God. All the promises of God find their yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 to 8. On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people. He will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. The promise of God that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ is that one day, There will be no more tears, no more crying. The last enemy to be destroyed is death itself. And death will be swallowed up. And God's people will be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. In Joel chapter 2, verses 26 to 27, the prophet Joel says, 
by the Spirit of the Lord. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is none else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. And in this multiplication miracle, Jesus is proclaiming through the deed, through the mighty work, exactly what Joel had prophesied. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is none else. My people shall never be put to shame. We've been learning what Luke has been proclaiming in putting together these narratives and asking the question and really provoking the question in all of the readers, who is this? Who is this that stills the wind and the waves and they obey him and raises the dead and heals the sick? Who is this? Who is this Herod was talking about? It was spreading all around, and everybody is wondering, who is this? And Jesus is proclaiming the kingdom of God, explaining the salvation that is coming in Christ. And in this multiplication miracle, he's giving them a picture, a demonstration right before their eyes of what the kingdom is is like. See, Jesus is the Lord who provides for his people. He's the one who provides, look back at the text, on their return, the apostles told him all that they had done and they took, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. Now Bethsaida is in the northeast corner of the Sea of Galilee. It's miles from Capernaum, and in between that place is a desolate place. There's a hillside, and somewhere in between Bethsaida and Capernaum was this desolate place where Jesus multiplied the bread for the crowds. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them, and he spoke to them of the kingdom of God, and he cured those who had need of healing. Matthew and Mark tell us that Jesus had compassion on the crowds. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach the word of God to them. He he began to proclaim to them many things. Luke tells us that these many things were the kingdom of God, these promises fulfilled in Jesus. And he cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions 
for we are here in a desolate place. There's nothing here. We don't have anything. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And speaking to his disciples, he speaks emphatically and he said, you provide for them something to eat. The contrast is incredible. We have nothing. How can we provide for the crowds? They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. In the other gospel accounts, we learned that it was Philip who said, we have, it would take more than 200 denarii to give everybody here just a, a tiny taste to eat. More than eight months' wages. We can't do that. It's absolutely impossible. And verse 14 says, For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. Sometimes when we hear Jesus speaking through his word, we can't even imagine what it would look like to obey. It may be filled with doubt, disbelief, overwhelmed by the magnitude of the task before us. And yet Jesus said, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each, and they did so. They obeyed. Trusting Jesus means obeying Him when it doesn't make any sense and when the situation seems impossible, and they did so. They obeyed. It reminds us of Peter fishing all night long, the professional fisherman catching nothing, and Jesus said, let down the net. And he did so at his command. And Jesus, taking up the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. This wasn't blessing and consecrating the bread. It was a thanksgiving. Blessed are you, O Lord. Thank you, Lord, for providing this bread. And he multiplied it. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. Jesus is the Lord who provides for his people. Jesus is the Lord who satisfies his people. Jesus is the Lord who deals wondrously with his people, just like the prophet Joel said. And Jesus is the Lord who dwells in the midst of his people. He is Emmanuel, God with us. All of the promises of God are fulfilled in Jesus. See, this whole situation, a multitude in the wilderness, reminds us, and it's supposed to, it's to take our minds back to the wilderness, where through the prophet Moses, 
The Lord fed the children of Israel in the wilderness, provided for them everything that they needed. And it was miraculous. They were in the desert. Where could they get bread? And yet the Lord fed and provided for them day after day after day. There was plenty for them. No one had any want. Jesus is the prophet like unto Moses, just like Moses prophesied in Deuteronomy 18 that there was one coming who was a prophet like unto Moses, and the people were to listen to him. He's the one. Listen to him. Obey him. It also reminds us of the account in 2 Kings chapter 4 where Elisha multiplied the bread. Elisha, uh, 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 42 to 44, a man came from Baal Shalishah bringing the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And Elisha said, Give to the men that they may eat. Remember, Jesus told his disciples, you give them something to eat. And Elisha told his servant, give to the men that they may eat. But his servant said, how can I set this before a hundred men? So he repeated, give them to the men that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. So he set it before them, and they ate, and they had some left, according to the word of the Lord. See, he multiplies the bread, and all, who are, and all are satisfied, and there is an abundance left over. He is the prophet greater than Elisha, greater than Moses, greater than Elisha. See, he is the Messiah none other than the king who brings the kingdom of God. In Ezekiel chapter 34, we have a promise of the kingdom. And I want you to see this so you can get the picture of what is happening and the significance for the people of God. In Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 and following, it says, For thus says the Lord, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered. Verse 13, a little bit further, it says, And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel. Verse 14, I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel they shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. And we know when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. We think back to Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, and we think back to this passage right here in Ezekiel 34 where the Lord says, I myself will come and I will seek out my sheep 
and I will provide for them rich food. I will cause them to lie down in green pastures. And what's interesting, even the word that is used in all the gospel accounts, when Jesus tells the disciples, have them sit down in groups of 50 or 100. Have them sit down. It's the same word for have them lie down. Have them sit down in the grass and they will be fed. Verse 23 says, And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord who has spoken. And Jesus is saying through this miracle that he is the king, the Messiah, the shepherd king who has come to shepherd and to provide abundantly for his people. In fact, this whole scenario is a picture of what's coming. See, it's a picture of a feast. Jesus at the head of the table breaking the bread, giving thanks before all the people and then providing everything that is needed. He's the Messiah who brings the kingdom of God. You see, it wasn't a little taste of bread for the multitudes that he provided. This was a feast. Every person there ate until they were full and they were satisfied. Did you notice that? They were full. They ate until they were full. They were satisfied. And there were 12 basketfuls left over. See, it was the feast, the abundance, the satisfaction, the multitudes with Christ the King at the head of the table. That's the taste of heaven. They are experiencing a taste of heaven. Let me ask you, do you know Jesus as the shepherd king, the Messiah, who provides everything that is needed? It's interesting that after this account in the Gospel of John chapter 6, John takes us back to Capernaum where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. See, this miracle is about him. It's about Jesus. And to think that it's about sharing strips the glory of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the the majesty of Jesus, and the whole meaning of the miracle. The disciples have nothing. We have nothing And Jesus provides everything that we need through his life, death, and resurrection. He's the bread of life. Let me give us some closing thoughts for reflection and some application. Number one, it is possible to delight in the gift without delighting in the giver of the gift. It's possible to be enamored by the blessings and completely forget about the one from whom all blessings flow. 
It's possible to eat your bread and be full and be satisfied and not be satisfied in Christ. You could receive all the blessings in this life and miss Christ. Jesus said the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, or life abundantly. Abundant life now and abundant life forever and ever and ever. The psalmist says, in your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Complete satisfaction forever in the Savior. Are you receiving all the gifts from God and delighting in the gift without delighting in the giver of the gift? And if so, you've, you've missed it all. Number two, it doesn't matter how creative you are, how kind you are, how generous you are, how hospitable you are, or how resourceful you are. The reality is that you and I do not have the resources to meet the insurmountable needs of the crowds. But Jesus does. He is able and only He can satisfy. Are we satisfied in Jesus? And do we trust Him and Him alone? Number three, this is a reminder that we should not be anxious about anything. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of the other things will be added unto you, here's a living example of that being played out. Jesus provides everything that we need now and for eternity. And we should not be anxious. We should not be anxious about what we have and what we think we need. We should look to the Lord who is the source, who is the fountain, who is our provider, our sustainer, the one who satisfies, the one who deals wondrously with his people. There's no need to be anxious in the kingdom of God. We don't have to grab for anything. We can sit down. We can lie down in green pastures and trust in our Savior King, our Shepherd King. We can, number four, trust the Lord. I said it before, trusting Jesus means obeying Him when it doesn't make any sense and when the situation seems impossible, we can trust Him. He's trustworthy. He is the Lord. He's the King. And he's a good king. He provides everything that is needed. Preeminently, he has provided himself. He humbled himself, disrobing himself of glory, and took on human flesh, and took on the form of a servant. And he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And he died in the place of sinners so that we could be reconciled to a holy God. And he was raised again proving that he is the resurrection and the life 
and that all who trust in Him will have eternal life. We can trust Him. We can believe what the Scripture says. When it said that Jesus multiplied the bread, He multiplied the bread. It was a sign from heaven. It was a demonstration of His power and His glory. But it's about Christ. It's not about the bread. It's about Christ. So let's don't miss that. Before we get to all of the the applications that we try to make, let's remember first of all that Jesus is revealing himself. He is the Lord, and he has come to the rescue of sinners. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you will open our eyes that we may see wonderful things from your law, that today that we would see Jesus Christ high and lifted up. He's the King. He's the Messiah. He's the one who brings the kingdom. And I pray that we would look to him, that we would be satisfied in him that we would not look to the world to be satisfied in the things of the world but that we would look to Christ Lord I pray for those who do not yet know the Savior that today that that your Holy Spirit would bring conviction of sin they would see their need for a Savior that they would see today that they're separated from God by their sin. But you have made a way. You have provided salvation through Jesus Christ. So I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit working through the gospel, that you would open blind eyes, that they may see, that you would open deaf ears, that they may hear, that you would cause the dead to live, that they may have salvation today. Today is the day of salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.